Good day to you. This is the Key Row Film Society, and today we are view reviewing, reacting to the 2002 film Spider-Man. Good day to you this day. Um, today, like I said, we are going to be looking at the 2002 film Spider-Man. Now, I realized that in my last video, I said I was going to look at the movie Remember the Titans. Um, I am going to go back to that probably for the next recording, but I decided to do this um, for a reason. So, I've been having this practice that, generally speaking... Um, uh, sorry, get clearing out my background here. Um, we do reviews of movies that are from my high school period during the times that the years that I was in high school, and I re and I realized that um, Spider-Man does not fit in to that um, era. In fact, it's actually exactly one year later. Um, so, and I was actually going to go into the year 2001 and 2002 um, a little bit later because it really was a great year of film. When you start to look at the movies from basically August of 2001 um, up through um, May of 2002, it is a great stretch of huge blockbuster films. And so it's definitely worth looking at. And the crown jewel of that, those years... Sorry, my heavy struggles with the camera here. The crown jewel of those years was Spider-Man. Um, it was a huge blockbuster. Um, I was working actually at the movie theater in uh, at a movie theater in 2002 when this came out, and uh, it was huge success. Uh, I remember uh, selling out our largest theater. Because we had it in our, our largest and second largest theater. And on Friday night of its release, it sold out every single show from 4 o'clock until 9 o'clock. And then every show on, pretty much every show on Saturday sold out. Just about every show on Sunday sold out. It was the busiest, I think, one of the, probably the busiest weekend I remember in the entire time I worked at the theater, and I worked there for like 12 years. Um, 
and the week week it after it was almost as busy uh, and it was it total took us all by surprise um, and I say this because the movie that was supposed to be the big movie of the 2002 um, film movie year was supposed to be Star Wars episode 2 attack of the clones but it wasn't spider-man was spider-man took the world by storm and it is a movie of cultural significance. And that's what I'm going to get to in a little bit later. But it is it is of cultural significance. Um, and the first reason it's culturally significant is because it basically broke down the movie is the superhero genre barrier. I mean, it demolished it. All right. So, and I say this. Knowing that it is not the first superhero movie to come out. Now, there had been several superhero movies before. Um, you had Superman. You had the Batman films. Um, in fact, and those movies were successful. But the problem was Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin came out in 1997 and almost effectively killed the superhero genre. Superhero films were considered toxic. Um, Marvel at this point had not really done um, too much movies. The first movie they really did of significance was Blade. But Blade is kind of a, an anomaly that a lot of people didn't know it was a superhero movie. It was designed in a way they could easily get away with hiding its superhero origins. And... Uh, and so that it didn't really do much for the comic book industry. It's a vampire film, and that's what it could sell itself on. Um, it kind of um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer at this point was rising to fame, rising to popularity. So it could definitely play off of that similar um, vibe of hunt vampire hunting. Um, in two thousand, the first X Men film did come out. And don't get me wrong, that is actually was a big deal. That was a huge deal. Because the movie, though, wasn't perfect. It was successful. It did break down the barriers for Marvel Comics. Uh, DC would take a while to really get back into the game. But it did break down the barriers for DC, for Marvel. But the, mo the movie X-Men was, was still flawed. Um, and in terms of its faithfulness to its source material it was severely lacking and it's still an ongoing criticism of the x-men films in general is that most of them were very very much not faithful to the source materials but a source of complaint so in contrast you get spider-man when spider-man came out it became significant I don't think Spider-Man is the one that made the MCU that we know of now, this um, cinematic juggernaut that Disney um, has ownership of, but Disney didn't start it. Disney did not take over until 2012. The Marvel Cinematic Universe was started by Marvel. Um, Paramount was actually the original um, studio, the original distributor of the films. Uh, this film, this Spider-Man film, was the one that opened the gates. And the reason is, is because this movie was incredibly 
faithful to the comics. I know what's kind of popular now. Um, we've had two Spider-Man since then. Actors, I mean. You've had, you had Andrew Garfield, who did Amazing Spider-Man. And now you have Tom Holland, who's the current Spider-Man actor. And there's ongoing debate as to who is the best Spider-Man. And, and I think this is a tough question. But as I watch... As I think about it, I believe that it's a very, very tough discussion. Because all three of them, I think, have strengths. Andrew Garfield, I do believe, was a good Spider-Man. Um, I think he, he was the best at capturing um, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Tom Holland has been an excellent Spider-Man. Um, I think he's got the voice, he's got the persona to him. But I believe that the best Peter Parker still is Tobey Maguire. And I watched the film today, rewatched it, and I sat there and I watched it and I still think it. He is still the best Peter Parker. So the movie starts out, he's in high school. He's quite the nerdy type. I mean, the very first scene of the movie is this nerdy kid wearing glasses, chasing down a bus. He finally gets in, and he, almost kind of reminiscent of Forrest Gump, St. Tyken type scene. Nobody's wanting to give up a seat for him, and then they trip him. And he's getting bullied by many people. And one of the things I like about um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man compared to um, Tom Holland's is I like that he goes to a regular high school. I don't really love the fact. I don't. I totally. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that Tom Holland's character goes to like a major special science school. And the reason I don't like that is because Peter Parker is supposed to be the most down-to-earth, relatable superhero there is. Most people do not go to those special science schools. Alright? You could bring character is in like that, fine. But that, that's not your typical one. Most people go to your regular old public high school. All right, they don't have loads of money. Um, they're not like super financially well off or whatever. And Peter Parker's supposed to come from humble origins. The nerdiness of Peter Parker, people have slammed on like, well, he's not supposed to be nerdy. Where'd that idea come from? Well, okay, let me show you this. This picture right here, this is a picture of Peter Parker from Stanley from the original comics. Look at it. He, we need one more guy for the dance. How about Peter Parker over there? Kidding? That bookworm wouldn't know a cha-cha from a waltz. Peter Parker, he's a Midtown High's only professional wallflower. I mean, he's a total... That's the whole thing. Is Peter Parker supposed to be a total and utter nerd? And by the way, that whole utter nerdiness does not work so well when you're in a school full of geniuses. I mean, he's supposed to stand out. 
and be this nerdy guy that's he's academic, he's extremely intelligent, but he doesn't click in with the um, the crowd. He's not in the it crowd, and like I said, Tom Holland's version, and this is not a criticism on Tom Holland himself. This is a criticism on the writing. Um, now I understand. I like the way they depict the high school in. Uh, the high school life for the most part like I like um, that it kind of has that um, breakfast club vibe going for it and I like that but the high school itself I think takes away from Peter Parker that I mean that's the whole thing is I mean the reason why Stanley created Peter Parker created Spider-Man is he knew his readers you knew the people, a lot of the people that would be reading his comics are kids who are getting bullied and beaten up regularly. They want to read the story about somebody like them who they love to read the idea that he got these special powers and he was able to rise up and he was able to fight back. But even but when he did, he, he had those powers. He chose not to. And it, he actually goes different. Than, I mean, he did this for a little, for a moment, but eventually, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, I mean, that's the mantra of Spider-Man. And you know, this is what I love. So the new move, so the 2002 film, I think, captured this Peter Parker. Um, and then he gets his. You know, then we have he gets bitten by the spider. Um, pretty similar story, not that dissimilar of a story from the original, um, from the, the comics. I mean, there's, there's differences, um, cause like base, I think in the comics it was just a regular old spider that got caught in, um, inside of a, um, a radioactive ray or whatever, and then he got, um, bitten by that spider. Um, so, I mean, there's some differences there. Um, there's differences in the webbing. Of course, he doesn't create his own... He doesn't have web shooters um, like he does in the comics. So, you don't have the whole thing where he runs out of web fluid. Um, so, that's kind of a thing that is different. Uh, but, I mean... And, you know, he doesn't have as much of the quipping. Which was... Th that is a weakness in the... Um, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man trilogy he doesn't quip as much and I think that is actually a strength especially of Tom Holland uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is really good at being uh, bantering talking while he's fighting that's the part where I really he does really remind me of Spider-Man in combat um, and so that's where he's really he is strong and you know Tobey Maguire's was very weak in that regard no, granted, that's, a lot of that has to do with writing. Um, the, the script writer has to put some of that stuff in to work, make it work. Um, but the plot line... Then you have... Uh, and speaking of casting in general... Um, in um, Spider-Man 2002, there's a lot of good casting. Um, I believe they had the best um, Mary, Mary, Aunt May. They had the best Uncle Ben... Um, and I know there's that debate about how 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 can they be so much older? I mean, such a gap in age, and it seems kind of weird. In yeah, I can kind of see that there might be. Um, so I kind of get that argument, 
But I did. I either way, I I kind of I still prefer um, the Aunt May and Uncle Ben from two thousand two. Uh, I kind of I like them because Amazing Spider Man had two no good actors, um, but they were too well known, and that was. And so they were played by uh, Martin Sheen, um, very notable actor, you know, from The West Wing and countless other movies. Great incredible actor. Charlie Sheen's dad. And then the other one was Sally Field, who, you know, that's um, Mama Always Said, Stupid Is, Stupid Does, or Life is Like a Box of Chocolates, you know. So Forrest Gump's mom. So that's why... They're too well known. Now, the two that play um, Uncle Ben and um, Aunt May in Spider-Man 2002 are parent, are well-known actors, but not well-known to the general public. So, in other words, and so I think that gives them an advantage. Uh, and so I think that makes them, you connect to them more for the character, the person. They feel more like you're, like an Aunt May, like a um, Uncle Ben, a wise old ma- um, mentor types, and um, J.K. Simmons is a phenomenal J. Jonah Jameson, um, and they write him really well. Uh, one of the things I like about this, and this is something that I'm going to tell you, um, you know, we have the new Spider-Man coming out, Spider-Man: uh, Far From Home. Um, one of the things is that's in the comics, in the animated versions, and in 2002 film, J. Jonah Jameson has a moral compass. He's um, brash. He's very critical of Spider-Man, but he's got a moral compass. And where this really shows up is in... Um, in this, in two thousand, in this movie, there's a scene where Green Goblin has is trying to figure out who Spider-Man is. He's trying to figure out that it's Peter Parker, and so he attacks the the bugle and he grabs hold of J. Jonah Jameson's like and he says, "The photographer who gets all of Spider-Man's park photos, who is he?" And jo- Jameson's life is in danger. Peter Parker is right over his shoulder as far as he's concerned. He could hand him over. And he doesn't. He lies. He says, I don't know. I get him in the mail. He he protects Parker. Because that is the type of person he is. And this is where I don't totally love... I mean, I love J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. But the story in... Um, at the very end of Spider-Man Far From Home is that it gets revealed... Spoiler! You've you've had a few years to see it, so hopefully you know about this. And it's in the trailer. It just came out a couple weeks ago. Um, In the trailer, you you have this reality that J. Jonah Jameson has found out that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. I believe that if Peter... In the comic book version of J. Jonah Jameson, if he found out that a high school student named Peter Parker was Spider-Man, I don't believe he would reveal it. 
Now, there are other journalists in um, Marvel Comics that might. But I don't think J. Jonah Jameson would. Because J. Jonah Jameson would see that it's a kid. And he would protect him. Because he has that moral compass. And I... And so that's kind of one of the things I like in 2002 is they capture that even in the brief moments. J.K. Simmons is brilliant in his role and they write him properly. Um, then you have Willem Dafoe uh, playing uh, the Green Goblin, uh, Norman Osborn, and he hits it out of the park. Uh, I especially always love the scene where he's He's having the conversation, um, the dual personality conversation with himself into the mirror. It's just a wonderfully acted performance and just awesome. Uh, the one thing I don't like about um, Green Goblin has nothing to do with Willem Dafoe. It has to do with the costume. My biggest complaint has always been that helmet. It looks He looks like a Power Ranger. And that is, I don't think that's a good thing, right? And so, that is one thing that just drives me nuts with the Green Goblin. Um, but otherwise, Willem Dafoe did good. Uh, James Franco plays uh, Harry Osborn, and I think he gets the part down pretty well. Um, Harry Osborn is not that complicated of a character to write, typically. Um, at least not at the early stages of Harry Osborn. And I think they do well with it. Um, and then you have Kirsten Dunst as uh, Mary Jane Watson. That is, I would say, is the weak casting. Um, I have never been a big fan of her as Mary Jane Watson. And this is actually one of the things that I believe that um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man's made a mistake. I don't think they should have cast Mary Jane Watson. I think they should have cast um, Gwen Stacy for that first film. And the reason is, is especially, and I mean, it's kind of okay. Historically, context, historical in his sense of historical context. Um, cultural context, and I think they're right to go with Mary Jane Watson. Um, because going with the Gwen Stacy character, you are gonna you have to kill her. And this is one of my big complaints of Amazing Spider-Man 2. They do kill Gwen Stacy, and they did a wonderful job of getting you to like Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy, but they failed in her death. They did not give it the punch. That it should have had. Um, the the start of a relationship of Peter Parker to Mary Jane Watson is, in my opinion, one of the best moments in comics, and I would love to play it, see it played out in a film, and they haven't done it, and so. The way it's done in the comics... Um, here, I'll, I'll come back to this. So, Mary Jane Watson, like I said, I don't love the way that she's written. I don't like the way... I don't love the way that Kristen Dunst was performed it. 
I don't think she was the right person for Mary Jane. Because one of the things about Mary Jane is she is very strong-willed. And I never got that from um, Kirsten Dunst. She felt weak, helpless. Mary Jane is not supposed to be that type of character. She's supposed to be a strong-willed woman. Um, and I think they missed that. They did not have that with Kristen Dunst. So I think she's a poorly cast. That's the one weak casting spot in um, the 2002 Spider-Man film. So in terms of the story, the thing I like is that it's, so much of the story, like I said, is actually driving itself from the comics. Um, especially the concluding parts of the movie are almost taken straight from the comics. Um, you have the scene where it's on the George Washington Bridge, um, where you have Mary Jane is up at the top of it. Now, this is where it's different from the comics, slightly. In the comics, it's not Mary Jane, it's Gwen Stacy. But it is still, that's where it is. It's this final battle between Green Goblin, who now knows... Who Pete, that Peter Parker is Spider-Man up on the top of the um, you know at the top of the George Washington Bridge in New York City and they fight now and there's a point where he throws Gwen Stacy off of the bridge now this is where it is different he throws off Mary Jean in this case Mary Jean survives in the comics, when Stacy didn't. And it is the most, one of the most traumatically sad moments in the history of comics. It is the one, is, it's one that has not been pulled off in film. She did die, yes, in Amazing Spider-Man 2, but they did not capture the depth of it. I mean, he... Spider-Man went into a pit of de depression after this, understandably. Especially because of the way it happened. Um, so in Spider-Man 2, what happened was... In Amazing Spider-Man 2, is what happens is that he doesn't catch her in time and she her head clunks um, against, the, against the ground. In... The comics, her, if I remember correctly, her neck snaps when he catches her. She dies because he caught her. But if he had not caught her, she would have died. You hear the twistedness in that? The damage that did on him? Yeah. And so he ends up in this pit of despair... And the thing that ends up bringing him out is when he is in such despair and he's just moping around um, for a long time, finally Mary Jane, arrange, not Mary Jane, Aunt May arranges a date for him. And it's a blind date with one of her good friends. And it's one of the great moments of comics where... Peter Parker answers, goes to the door to answer it, and there's the girl, and she says, Face it, Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. 
that. It's one of the great all-time moments in comics. And so I, I really would love to see that that drama unfold um, through story. And this, it actually kind of goes into the reason why I think Spider-Man would be so good for TV, um, for that long-term drama, because he has so many villains and so much dramatic storytelling that I think movies are too um, spread apart to really adequately do Spider-Man. But, um, but anyways, but like I said, the movie, it plays out very similar to the comics with that, um, in terms of that scene at Spider-Man 2002, in that instead of, like I said, instead of Mary Jane, instead of Gwen Stacy, it's Mary Jane, and she does survive as she's thrown off. Um, and then it culminates in a final battle between him and Green Goblin, and Green Goblin dies almost exactly the way he dies in the comics. He tries to impale um, Spider-Man with his glider, but instead he is he impales himself because Spider-Man jumps out of the way. And so that is what happens in the movie. That's what happens in the comics. And the last shot of him um, laying the dead Norman Osborn onto his bed is a shot straight out of the comics. And this is why um, all these things that are almost straight out of the comics... Now, I mean, obviously it's not completely a comic book, but they take so much from it. Um, this is why this was such a fundamentally important film when it came to the comic book genre, the movie, the superhero genre, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It showed that you could be faithful to the source material and make an extremely successful movie. And so when you got when Iron Man came out in 2008, you sat there and watched it. It was it was almost right. It, I mean, obviously it made switches here and there, but it was ridiculously faithful to the source material, and it ended up being a huge success and spawned this huge um, <coughs> cinematic universe that we are enjoying today. And it began with Spider-Man 2002. Now, there is another reason why Spider-Man 2002 is culturally incredibly significant. So, like as I said, um, I was working at a movie theater when this movie came out. In fact, I was working at a movie theater. I started working at the movie theater in 2001. Um, and the advertising for... Spider-Man began in um, the summer of 2001. And this right here, which you see on the screen, was the original poster. And it's a poster that's really hard to find. And I know that my manager, one of my assistant managers, snuck it away before they sent it off to the um, back to Sony. But see what's right there in the eye. You can see it. Two towers. The World Trade Centers. And this is the reason why I wanted to go into this movie today. And that is because two days ago, September was September 11th, 2021. The 20th anniversary of the attack on the World Trade Centers. Now I did a I know a lot of people have gone over and talked about what happened 20 years ago. 
and I'm not going to go really into that. If you really want to learn about that, go. Li you can listen to my sermon that I preached on Sunday. Um, I really dived into that quite a bit. But I'm going to talk about that in relationship to this movie. Because this movie, like a lot of films, were very heavily impacted by what happened on September 11th, 2001. This movie was impacted because of this. Because the... the the original poster, you had the World Trade Centers in the eyes of Spider-Man. And so this poster was removed from all the theaters and they had to send out, send out a replacement. And this poster is a rare one. It's actually pretty valuable um, if you happen to get a hold of one of them. And here's another reason. Let me, we're gonna, I'm, gonna show a, I'm gonna show you the original trailer for Spider-Man. So let me bring that up. Clint, shut her down. There you have it. There's a reason why this was the original trailer for Spider-Man, the Spider-Man film that came out in 2002, and this is what was pulled from theaters, because you see it right there on the screen. The helicopter that was caught between, with the web, by Spider-Man, in between the World Trade Centers. And so they had to pull this trailer. Now, fortunately, this scene was nowhere to be found in the film, um, and it was never planned to be a part of the film. But, I mean, this is just to show how this movie was so incredibly impacted um, by the events of 9-11. And in a little bit here, I'm going to show a scene that really depicts on where this movie um, shows its um, awareness. Its awareness of what the culture was at at this point. Because Spider-Man is, is New York's superhero. One of, there were several comics, special comic books that came out after 9-11 happened. And one of them that was probably... Most of them were special, like, 
um, volumes of different art of different characters. There was one character that had his own special comic. And that was Amazing Spider-Man. I think it was like number 36 or something like that. And in fact, I actually just ordered a copy of it. It's getting shipped to me. Um, it's, it's kind of, it wasn't cheap, I'm going to say that. Um, but I wanted to have a copy of it. And the reason is that's Amazing Spider-Man. That's Spider-Man that has a special comic, a special tribute comic to 9-11. It's because there is no superhero that is more connected to New York City than Spider-Man. Which, in retrospect, as I think about that, that's kind of ironic given what we've seen so much. Man, it's kind of making me start to not... There are reasons why I get I get why people get frustrated by the MCU Spider-Man because he hasn't really spent that much time in New York as I as I think about this. Um, he really didn't. I mean, he spent a whole bunch of time in Washington D.C. He spent a bunch of time in Europe. Um, he he really for the guy that's the New York superhero, he hasn't spent much time in it. And this one. He was a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man running around and saving all these people um, around the neighborhood in New York City. And it's looking at New York City from the, the upper class, like your Norman Osborn types, to the, to the low everyday Joe like Aunt May and uh, Mary Jane Watson. And this scene is a scene that happened... There's a little bit in this scene that happened because of this post 9-11 world. So let me play it. Oops. Spider-Man! This is why only fools are heroes. Because you never know when some lunatic will come along with a sadistic choice. Let die the woman you love. Or suffer the little children. Make your choice, Spider-Man and see how a hero is rewarded. Don't do it, Goblin! We are who we choose to be. Now choose! That is a great shot, by the way. The shot of looking into the eye, everything reflected in the eyes. One of those good, de one of the details I love with this Spider-Man costume. So you have Mary Jane getting thrown off. Very reminiscent of when uh, when Stacy was in the original um, film. And I like this. This actually does a really good job of showing how strong Spider-Man is. He, I mean, he's not as strong as the Incredible Hulk, obviously. But he is supposed to be decently strong. And I look, I'm looking at this. He's holding this... Um, huge metallic box full of children in one arm. So, I mean, showing he, he has some strength. I need you to climb down. I can't. Yes, you can. 
MJ, you can do it. You have to. Trust me. Hold on tight. And go quickly. One thing I will note is that the the CGI at times it shows its dating. It's you know 2002 CGI was definitely not as good as it is now. Um, and at times you see it, but you do get great. I mean, like right there is even right there is a great slow motion. I do kind of times you. I look at this at sometimes I do think that this might be the best looking of the Spider-Mans. I don't know. That's a looking game, right? I think that might be one of the better looking Spider-Man costumes in film so far. It's time to die! Now this is the point where I really wanted you to see. Come on up here, dumb I got a little something for you! This is a part that I guarantee probably was not originally in the script. So there's that line, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. And they're fighting to help Spider-Man as he's trying to save these kids. And New Yorkers are working together to save these kids during this moment. I, I, if I were a betting man, I'll bet that before 9-11, September 11, 2001, that was not in the script. I'll bet you that... Um, somehow Spider-Man found a way to get out of it to avoid getting pierced by the the glider and got away. This I'll bet you was added in because that was the mentality of Americans at that time. We were thinking about unity. One people dealing with this um, reality of the post-9-11 world. We were attacked violently viciously by terrorists and this is you know this is a message for new yorkers but it's a message from americans in general you mess with one of us you mess with all of us type thing and that was a mentality of unity that we had in our country 20 years ago very very much the opposite of what we've got today um you know i think you know i talked about this in uh, my sermon on Sunday was, I think it's some remarkable, is that when 9-11 happened, the day after, me and one of my friends, we had gone to um, the Iowa Cubs Stadium um, because they had, um, were giving out to little miniature American flags to people. And there was a whole line of cars of people wanted to get American flags that they wanted to use to hang from their cars because there was so much American pride and so much desire for unity in the face of the tragedy that happened. Here we are 20 years later and we definitely don't have that same kind of unity. And people definitely don't have that same kind of desire to wave an American flag that they had 20 years ago. And it's quite the contrast of the where our culture has gone. 
and I mean, even take this here. I'm going to show the last scene of the movie. My curse. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. By the way, Denny Elfman had a great score. I shouldn't mention that. Uh, look, at that's the last shot. He's perching to the American flag and flying away. Um, I mean, kind of, I mean, to some degree, it serves as uh, an homage to the, the Superman films, which kind of ended with the similar, similar images. But... It is very much in mindset of what of the post 9/11 world, and so this is why Spider-Man was such an important film. It was the film that America needed after September 11th. It was a film of this everyday kid who's now you know he's in high school, he's in he's graduated he's in college he's struggling to make ends meet he has this girl that he really likes and things aren't going the way he wants them he has his duties and these tasks he's got this elderly um aunt that he's worried about and concerned about you know have all these things that are going on in his life and he's dealing and he's rising up and fighting against this evil of this man of green goblin and you can't help but think of at that time of those who are teenagers graduated from high school who stood up and decided to go to Afghanistan to fight the Taliban and um, Al-Qaeda and all that. It fits very well with what our culture was at at the time. Rising up against evil. Rising up with one voice against evil. And... Are we at... Evil still exists in our world. The question is, do we are we willing to rise up together? Or do we continue to be divided? And let... The evil of the world consume us one by one. We are in a divided nation and a divided world. We fight about anything and everything. I mean... I mean, look at the way people react to anything that's Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars. People are so passionately angry about anything Star Wars. You get into debates about the Spider-Man films. Tobey Maguire, or, or Tom Holland, or Andrew Garfield. Which one's the better one? And people will get so vitriol about it. I'm a pro wrestling fan. And by the way, speaking of which, pro wrestling, I love the Macho Man being in here. Oh yeah, bone size ready. Okay, sorry. Um, had to do that. But I'm a pro wrestling fan. <laughs> and WWE fans, AEW fans, pro wrestling fans are so toxic these days. 
There's, it seems to be that there is nothing in this world that we are not toxic and filled with vitriol towards one another. I mean, we get, we could, it's, I don't know. Where the answer is to. Well, actually, I do. The answer would be Christ. You know, this is where, you know, Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays that they would be one. He prays that his disciples would be one, of one mind. Not unity for unity's sake, but. You wish there would be more gentleness, more love more respect, more compassion for one another, less villainizing and demonizing one another, more loving your enemy and your as yourself as your and your and your neighbors. You've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies, but I say to you, love your enemies. With great power comes great responsibility. That was the mantra to Spider-Man. And that's also the mantra even of Christ. To whom much is given, much is expected. We have been given much as Americans. Freedom, wealth, privilege. Privilege that we are Americans. With it comes great responsibility. And we pray that maybe through... As we continue on in this ongoing pandemic, the ongoing challenges that it it brings with it, given the fact that we've gone, we are now twenty months into this, we pray that we would learn to love, have compassion, have patience, kindness, gentleness, love, self-control, peace, etc., etc. So, I'm going to end there. Um, this is a... Spider-Man 2002 was a great movie. It was a... It was one of the first... It was the first really, truly good Marvel superhero movie. It was the first truly good live-action um, superhero film since um, probably The Crow or Batman Returns. So... It's. I think it still holds up. Um, the CGI is lacking at times, and I still struggle with that lousy uh, mask of Green Goblin, but otherwise, it still holds up. It still holds up. I watch it, and that is Spider-Man. They got the character. Um, I like Tom. I still like Tom Holland. I still like it. I think Andrew Garfield had some stuff. Um, although I think Amazing Spider-Man has suffered, suffered a lot more on the writing end. Um, but Spider-Man 1 was... The first Spider-Man film was a great one. And so maybe somewhere down the line I'll, I'll review Spider-Man 2 and maybe some of the other ones. But until then, this is what I have for you. And I'll probably come back and uh, review Remember the Titans... Um, next week, which I had planned to do this week, but I'll do it next week instead. So, uh, blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.